Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. As we wrap up the week, busy show today, we're going to learn about a new insurance plan being offered to members of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. We'll talk with their president, Steve Nelson, a little bit later on. Uh, Health care, affordable health care is a big issue for many across the country, especially in agriculture. A lot of farmers, farm families struggling with this. We'll find out about this new insurance plan being offered to Nebraska Farm Bureau members. Also coming up today, we're going to talk about the ag economy with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. And we're also going to get a call from Columbia, South America. Don Mason is the U.S. Meat Export Federation's project specialist for Columbia. And we're going to get an update on uh, how that market is uh, doing right now as far as purchasing our meat products and what is the potential for more growth there. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program. But now we're very happy to start things off with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson for a Farm Bill update. Thank you for joining us. Well, it, it what we're hearing and reading doesn't sound real positive. Are you at a stalemate? <laughs> is there any compromise or breakthrough that you can tell us about? Um, you know, actually, I'm uh, the most encouraged this week that I've been on the whole process. We've, we've made very good progress this week. Um, we've had a uh, number of calls. <clears throat> right now, we're... Um, uh, waiting on scores on a couple things, and that kind of what held us up yesterday afternoon because we don't have these uh, couple things that were put on the table by um, Chairman Conaway. Um, I guess it was Tuesday, uh, which get us, in my opinion, in the range of getting this thing done. Uh, you know, it would have been good. I think Senator Roberts said it would have been good if we could have got here a month ago, but <laughs> you know, these things have a way of this kind of you know, taking their own path, and uh, so at least we're here now. And I, you know, I think we're really at a point here where um, you know, I can see how we can get this thing done. But we got to get a couple scores, and there's still some compromises that need to be made. But um, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. So, on the SNAP provisions, you think you can come to some middle ground here? Well, um, that's going to really be between the. Chairman Conaway and, uh, and Senator Roberts and Stabenow, you know, uh, they, uh, my, you know, I've said uh, I think the best way for us to get to a resolution there is whatever uh, Roberts and Stabenow can agree to that they think can get through the Senate. Uh, I really have no concerns that uh, that I won't be able to live with that. So that's kind of where it's at. <clears throat> the, um, you know, we're really down to waivers now which is what I uh, tried to encourage the chairman three months ago to focus on because we have work requirements. That's We've had them since 96, and the majority of people are working. Uh, the big problem we've had are the waivers. Uh, and um, now we're kind of finally down to that part of the um, process. Uh, you know, a number of the other things have been kind of put aside. And uh, so, you know, we're... Um, I think we can get this worked out, but, um, you know, it's, it's really how far uh, Senator Roberts and Stabenow think they can go to maintain the Senate uh, 
support for this bill and uh, and how far uh, Chairman Conway is willing to go. Uh, I told him, I think if we come up with a reasonable compromise here, I can deliver a significant amount of Democrats for this bill. You know, so I think we can get. You know, this is really not what's held the bill up. Bill up the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's really not been snapped than these other issues. And uh, as I say, we're making good progress. And I can, having been through a number of these, uh, I can kind of see where this thing can come come together. What about conservation? Have you come to agreement there? Um, close. You know, it's, uh, we're a lot closer. Uh, that's not um, as big a sticking point uh, as uh, the commodity title has been. Um, so I think we can work that out. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, I don't think there's a disagreement about what we're trying to do here uh, at the end. It's just kind of almost semantics and so forth. So, so uh, I think it'll get worked out. Do you think we could have a new farm bill passed by the end of this month? I think it's going to be difficult, <clears throat> you know, because I don't, at this point, you know, when these <clears throat> CBO scores are going to come through, we don't know if it's going to be today or whatever. Um, this, my staff, uh, who have been through a lot of these, uh, they tell me that uh, even if we get all this stuff um, wrapped up, you know, you know by the Sunday or Monday, it's still going to be very difficult to get this the final thing drafted, to get it scored, uh, to get it to the conferees, um you know, to be signed and so forth by the end of next week. So, you know, it maybe could happen. I think it'd be difficult. But, you know, people need to remember that, you know, we've kind of been through this before. Um, for farmers, the real crunch time on, on having a new bill is December. Uh, you know, they maybe November. They, they need to know, uh, in my part of the world, December is plenty of time. So they need to have a certainty. They need to know what the farm bill is. Uh, you know, it, it's nobody, uh, very few people are making cropping decisions in September, uh, you know, or deciding for next year. So I, I think if we can get this resolved this week and come to an agreement and um, then we're in the process of drafting it and, and finalizing it, you know, I think uh, – uh, I don't know exactly, where, you know, the Senate's in, whether we're going to be in. I, I think I've heard there's a possibility that uh, that we will be around to be able to pass a bill in October. So um, that's the majority's decision, but uh, I think we can get this done. Wow, I am pleasantly surprised. Based on what I've been reading and hearing, I, I was afraid it, this thing didn't look good at all. And I always consider you the great gauge and barometer of how this goes. And to hear you encourage is very encouraging. Yeah, no, I think we had a good week. We had a good progress. Um, we're not there yet. But, uh, you know, the members, the four members from the start of this thing, you know, we want to get this done. And we're now in the range of uh, where I can see this coming together. Uh, and I'm, you know, my, what I've tried to do in this process is be someone who helps us get to where we need to be. You know, I'm not bringing any new problems into the situation. And, um, you know, I think we can get there. Well, that is great to hear. 
And thank you for being with us. Thank you for the update. And we look to, for more positive news on getting this done very soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. So do I. <laughs> All right. Take care, sir. Thank you. That is the uh, ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson from Minnesota. You heard him say he is encouraged, feels they have made progress on the farm bill. That is more positive news than we've heard in quite some time. And, um, wow, he's been through a lot of these. He's uh, He's been heavily involved and led the way in many times in writing farm bills. He's very experienced on this. And, uh, as I said, a very good barometer on things. So that doesn't mean it's a done deal, as he said, but they've still got some things to work out, but very encouraging. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the ag economy with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John Newton joins us next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. When it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. 
Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, Mobile Help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free Mobile Help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. Again, if you're just joining us, we just talked with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, who is encouraged about the progress he says they are making on the farm bill. And while they may not get it done by the end of this month, he does sound very optimistic it'll be done this year. So uh, very positive comments indeed from the ranking member of the House Ag Committee. All right, joining us now is John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thanks for joining us. I was just... Uh, wow, we just heard some encouraging news on the farm bill. That was good to hear. Yeah, that that is good to hear, and, and we're optimistic as well. We're doing everything we can uh, here on our end to help the committees get a bill done uh, on time, hopefully, uh, but certainly uh, by the end of this year. Yeah, he made it sound like end of this month might not happen, but he certainly felt by the end of the year, and that's really the hard deadline, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think, well, there, there are some unfunded programs uh, after September 30th uh, that, that we're all paying attention to. But, but with only a few congressional days left on the calendar, uh, there's a lot of work left to do to get this bill done by the end of the month. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. I tell you, the news had not been very encouraging until I heard him his comments this morning, so I feel much better. All right, let's look at the uh, ag economy overall. Here we are into harvest now. Trade issues uh, still hanging over the markets. Markets are down. Uh, what is your assessment of the ag economy right now here in September of 2018? Well, lucky for me, USDA just updated their expectations for 2018 uh, net farm income. Uh, they, they do this several times per year. Uh, when they first did it in February of this year, that was prior to uh, us knowing that we were going to have the largest soybean crop of all time and the second largest corn crop. Uh, but in February, USDA estimated net farm income at $59.5 billion. Uh, if realized at that point in time, it would have been a 12-year low. Uh, they updated their expectations August 30th uh, to about $66 billion. Uh, that's still the third lowest uh, over, over the last decade uh, behind 2009 and 2016. Uh, it's also about 13% lower than what we saw uh, in 2017 and about $10 billion uh, below the 10-year average. So the farm economy is still uh, in pretty poor shape. I think that's why it's so important, uh, the work that Ranking Member Peterson, as well as the, the rest of the congressional committees and staff, are doing to get this bill done on time. You know, we, we know that uh, there's the ag assistance package, uh, kind of mixed views on that, depending on which commodity you're growing, but uh, uh, that's out there. Some have good yields, others not. Uh, and then we have the trade cloud hanging over everything. So it, it's really a, a, a challenging time for agriculture right now. Uh, you're exactly right. Well, So when we take that net farm income, we can add in, uh, the, the market facilitation program payments, 
uh, this first installment, about $4.7 billion, uh, potentially a second installment uh, later later this year. And if we add that in, uh, you're looking at anywhere between 70 and $75 billion in net farm income. Uh, that's still below where it was in 2017, and it's still well below where it was uh, in 2013. So even though growers are getting this one-time uh, payment to assist in this trade situation, uh, the farm economy is still in pretty rough shape. Uh, and you, you mentioned yields. You know, one of the things with these market facilitation program payments, uh, the payments are, are based on a, a per bushel. We've seen some uh, expectations are for some pretty uh, unfavorable yields in parts of the southwest, uh, Missouri and, and, and Kansas. And, uh, and so in some of those areas, uh, even though there's a, a program payment being made, uh, it, it's going to be a, a low a low number per acre because the yields are, are so poor. Yeah, big yield volume certainly helps. And but the, some of those folks uh, in areas that have been hard hit by a drought and other weather problems this year, they are going to uh, kind of get that double whammy of not having the even the yield or the volume to to help. Uh, through this. We're talking with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, we know another sector of agriculture that's really struggling. That's the dairy industry. I know you work closely with those folks. Uh, What's your assessment? Uh, Any good news coming for them? Well, I I hope that we can get some good news here uh, on the the trade front with respect to Canada. Um, You know, if we can get some system that Canada's done or get some more market access uh, that that'd be some good news for the U.S. dairy industry. Uh, we just saw uh, this last week U.S. milk production came in uh, a little bit above expectations. We saw in July milk production had slowed somewhat, but it bounced back uh, pretty bearishly for August. Uh, and I think that's the situation we're in for the dairy industry. We've got record milk production here in the United States, uh, increasing milk production globally. Uh, so we, we really have a, a supply situation on our hands, and, and prices – uh, remain relatively weak. Uh, they're down quite a bit from where they were in recent years. Uh, a large, a large portion of that's due to to weak powder prices. Non-fat dry milk powder prices uh, remain uh, well below where they were in you know 2013, 2014, uh, somewhere around that 70 to 80 to 90 cents per pound range. And for U.S. dairy farmers, that's a big contributor to their milk check, and that's why we see uh, prices continue to be depressed. The new revenue insurance program, uh, you'll be rolling that out soon, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It comes out October 9th. Uh, it'll be available from uh, approved crop insurance providers. Folks like uh, AFIS, American Farm Bureau Insurance Services, uh, will be one of the companies that's offering it. And, and we write uh, all over the country. Uh, if, if folks want more information about that or to, to reach out to an agent or get more information, uh, they can go to DairyRP.com. Uh, that's really the hub for information uh, around this new revenue product. We're real excited. Uh, you know, we think this is an opportunity to put another tool in the toolbox for the dairy sector. Uh, this tool, in addition to getting rid of the livestock cap of $20 million per year on, on crop insurance, uh, really opens the door for, for dairy farmers to fully utilize the federal crop insurance program. Really, I mean, the biggest boost would be uh, the resolution of some of these trade deals, right, some of these trade issues. If we could get some of these things worked out, some positive news there, that would certainly help just about everything, wouldn't it, when it comes to the ag economy? Well, I think one of the things that it shows, 
you know, is that we can get a deal done and that this administration can negotiate and successfully complete those negotiations. We saw that uh, with Mexico with an agreement in principle. We'd like to see it with Canada. And, and of course, I think, you know, there's not a farmer or rancher in the U.S. that wouldn't like to see us uh, make some headways with respect to China. That's a very big market, especially for uh, pork and soybeans and cotton uh, and dairy. And so if we can deal with the trade disagreements that we have from China, that's certainly uh, a more favorable outlook uh, for the ag economy. Uh, because with all this product that we're bringing to the market, again, I mentioned the record soybean crop, the second largest corn crop, uh, record livestock production across the board, beef, pork, poultry, and dairy. Uh, we need markets. We need access to our existing markets. We need new markets uh, for, for our growers to have a, a, a successful economic uh, environment. John, we keep seeing uh, signs that the general economy is doing well. That certainly shows the difference at times between the general economy and the ag economy. Well, again, I think when you look at the U.S. economy, we've had uh, over 30 consecutive quarters of positive GDP growth uh, in the U.S. economy for the second quarter of 2018. GDP growth uh, beat analyst expectations. Most folks expected GDP growth to be around 4%. Instead, it came in at 4.2%. Uh, we're looking at unemployment numbers around 3.9%. Uh, that's hovering near 17-year lows. Uh, so the U.S. economy uh, is doing is doing quite well. Uh, but I think what the administration has been focused on is our trade deficit. Uh, our deficit in goods and services is over $500 billion uh, per year. Uh, and I think that's, that's really the motivation uh, behind some of trying to uh, update NAFTA, modernize that agreement, as well as deal with some of the, the trade situations around China. But without some positive trade news, it, it seems hard to find a, a spark for the market, something that would really uh, lift the markets. Well, in, in you know, in the commodity space, uh, you know, we, we obviously are following the trade news. Uh, we saw yesterday reports that the European Union were, were buying additional soybeans. Uh, that's great news. However, it doesn't it doesn't replace uh, the Chinese market. So I think the the market's really it knows what kind of crop we have on our hands here. Uh, it's searching for some favorable news on the consumption side uh, to really lift these prices higher. You saw uh, concerns over wheat crop in Europe have, have lifted that market. So uh, and, and as we get into the planting season in South America, uh, the Brazilians and Argentinians putting in soybeans. I think the market's going to be following all this information pretty closely. Uh, and any hint of uh, bullish information would, would lift these prices higher. All right, John. Thank you very much uh, for the assessment. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Take care, John. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, affordable health care continues to be an elusive uh, goal for many, many people. And especially in agriculture, we hear a lot about struggles by farmers and farm families uh, on uh, uh, being able to afford health care. Well, the Nebraska Farm Bureau has a plan for its members. We're going to learn about it as we'll talk with Steve Nelson, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, next on AOA. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, Bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, 
give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In corn futures, we continue to trend higher on this Friday, but we've got some minus signs in wheat and in soybeans. USDA says 121,700 tons of corn are sold to an unknown destination. December corn on Thursday broke out to the top side. If the corn bulls succeed in closing above the 10-day and 20-day moving average resistance levels, it could generate some additional bullish confidence. On the upside, key resistance and potential bullish targets for December corn lie at 369 and 369 and three quarters. 10-day moving average serving as resistance. We're testing that zone, 355 and a half, up three cents. Soybeans, two to three and a fraction lower. November down three and a fraction, 846 and a half. From eastern South Dakota to across northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, and into southern Wisconsin, Rainfall of 2 to 5 inches, flooding fields, delaying harvest, about 10% of total U.S. corn and soybean production in the area hit by the storms. New crop November soybeans jumped to the highest level since August 24th yesterday. November taking out resistance at 8.51.5, but we did not close above that level. For the wheats, Chicago, 3 to 5.5 cents lower an hour into Friday's session, 3 to 4 lower in Kansas City and three and a fraction lower in Minneapolis wheat. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle, a narrow mix, 30 cents on either side of steady. Feeder cattle, 35 to 67 cents higher. Lean hog futures, backpedaling on a Friday, 32 to 80 cents lower. On Wall Street, the Dow up 38 points. NASDAQ composite up eight. Crude oil up 63. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we know that uh, 
being able to afford health care in this country is becoming a bigger and bigger challenge for everyone. Uh, it's certainly a challenge for many in agriculture. Well, the Nebraska Farm Bureau has uh, come up with a lower-cost health care plan for their members, for farmers and ranchers, and uh, they recently have announced that. Steve Nelson is president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, and he joins us now. Steve, thanks for being with us. Uh, tell us a, a little bit, give us an overview of this plan that you've developed. Sure. Well, very happy to be on with you this morning, Mike. And and uh, you're absolutely right. The Nebraska Farm Bureau has created a new large group uh, association health care plan, and it will be operated by a consortium within Farm Bureau to uh, provide health care for farmers and ranchers uh, that are in the individual marketplace primarily, and also agribusiness as well. And so, uh, just uh, really pleased to be able to, to uh, bring some additional uh, options for farming, farmers and ranchers who uh, are facing the extremely high cost of health care at the present time. Give us some background. How did you develop this new insurance program? Well, discussion began uh, uh, at least two years ago to see if we could put together something that would meet the needs of farmers and ranchers in the changing health care environment that we're in. And uh, we've been able to partner with Medica to, to put together this plan. There'll be several options for farmers and ranchers uh, who are Farm Bureau members and uh, and also, as I said, for agribusiness folks. But, but a lot to go through to put this together. It, it requires that you... Uh, meet a number of uh, federal regulations, of course, and then then there are a lot of state regulations as well that you have to comply with in order to put something like this together. So uh, really a lot of work has gone into this. It's been very uh, time-consuming, but I think that we do have something here that can help uh, Farm Bureau, Farm and Ranch members in the state of Nebraska at least. So members of Nebraska Farm Bureau, or I understand those earning at least 50% of their gross income from production agriculture can enroll, is that right? Well, that's correct, and and you need to be a member of Farm Bureau uh, as of July 1st for the enrollment period coming up this fall. So this for this year, it, it would uh, pertain to those folks that are already members of Nebraska Farm Bureau. In the, in future years, uh, of course, anyone that, that is, is a member of Farm Bureau would be able to to uh, uh, be part of the consortium, and so uh, it it, uh, it there does limit uh, this year to those that are already members of Nebraska Farm Bureau. Uh, also includes uh, agribusinesses that that generate uh, at least half of their uh, revenue from an, an agriculture associated business. So. Uh, we're hoping, again, that this covers a lot of the need that, that is out there for farmers and ranchers and the opportunity to, to uh, lower costs and, and really provide some help during a time here when we have some pretty tough economics in, in, in both farming and ranching. So premiums, uh, an estimated, what, 25% lower than the individual health insurance market? Well, that's right, and that would be for the for farm and ranch members. It, it probably won't be. Uh, that as much discount uh, for agribusiness members right now because there was less uh, uh, less data available to to rate that group or that pool. But yes, we're looking at some pretty uh, significant discounts here in the first year. And 
again, how are you able, you know, everyone's looking for lower health care uh, costs, but still provide good coverage. How are you able to do it? Well, I, I would credit a lot of this to Medica and their ability to uh, look at the potential markets and potential pool within Farm Bureau members and put together plans that, that do represent that kind of savings. I think, too, the, the fact that, that with the Nebraska Department of Insurance being very helpful in, in putting this together, that's been a factor as well, maybe not so much with the cost, but at least with the ability to put, uh, put this consortium together. And, and, and that does have a, re, uh, a result in, in, uh, in the market structure and how, how, uh, how Medica rates the, the participants or the expected participants in the plan. We're talking with Steve Nelson, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. Well, Steve, we know this is a huge issue. Uh, we've seen uh, some reports out there that as many as 8% of farmers across the country uh, had no health insurance as, as recently as a couple years ago, to, uh, citing reasons like high premiums or the uh, costs of using a plan with high deductibles, out-of-pocket payments, things like that. We've heard stories of, of farmers having to sell land in order to afford uh, health care. We've heard about you know getting other jobs uh, off the farm to get health care. So all these, all these point to this being a huge issue. Uh, have you heard from other states? Uh, are they looking at something similar to this? Well, I, I don't know that I I can answer that directly. I know that there are a handful of states around the country that that uh, are working on something similar to this, and a few states that do have have uh, uh, plans in place. Uh, some of those were in place, of course, uh, prior to uh, a lot of the changes at the federal level, but. But you're absolutely right when when you talk about the need, and we we did listening sessions across Nebraska this summer, and the the one of the very top issues that we heard at every one of those listening sessions had to do with the, all of the problems associated with having health care, and 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 just exactly what you were saying that it it's forced a lot of families to uh, have uh, one of the spouses work off of the farm either to generate enough money to to have the needed health care that they that they want for their families and need for their families uh, or to to find a job that that uh, provides the health care with the job so it, it really has an effect on the, the structure of the farm family and and uh, we're hoping that that with this new plan that we'll be able to to help a lot of folks who who uh, want to stay home, want to work, and, and uh, continue to make their farming and ranching operations better. And and so hopefully this will be a big help for them. What kind of response are you getting from uh, your members, and uh, how many do you expect to be in this first year of the, of the program? Well, we've had very positive response. Uh, again, certainly it, it makes sense because of the need that everyone knows that's out there. So we've had a lot of interest in, in this uh, as we've put it together and as we've made the announcement. Uh, we're, you know, we don't know exactly how many people might take part in this in the first year. We had done some survey work early on to, to gauge the, the, uh, uh, those or the numbers that, that might want to participate or might participate in the first year. So we're, you know, we're thinking somewhere in that, uh, uh, you know, 
750 to 1,500 uh, members that would, would start out in the consortium. And, you know, it could be more than that. Uh, we will see, I think, as we move forward. But uh, that, that's kind of the estimate that we're, we're basing the plan on uh, as, uh, to start with here. And how will they sign up? Well, they will be able to uh, sign up through uh, Farm Bureau Insurance Agents. They will be the, 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 the folks that are offering that in, on behalf of the consortium. And so uh, that, that would be the, the way that, uh, that they would sign up. Uh, agents have already been, had some training uh, and, and, uh, and so are somewhat familiar with the plan. But uh, as, as more details come out, uh, they will have everything that that a member might need to to know, and and the sign up period will begin here. Uh, I think uh, uh, in October actually, so uh, it'll be fairly soon when people will be able to start uh, signing up then uh, for 2019 coverage. Well, Steve, I think it's uh, it's great news. I mean, it's such a huge issue for so many, and uh, it's. It, it's such a positive thing to see a farm group step up and offer something like this to its members that it, that is so much needed. Um, I think you're to be commended. I mean, this is addressing head-on a, a key issue facing uh, farmers and ranchers in your state and across the country. I would think that others will take a close look at this and see if they can offer something similar. Well, thank you for your compliments. I, you know, again, as I said before, there's a lot of effort gone into to doing this, but but it's been very clear that uh, this is an area of need, and that's really what uh, what Farm Bureau is all about is is helping members uh, uh, meet needs that they have, and and while we struggle sometimes in in a lot of areas to to make progress, whether it's with trade or taxes or farm bill or whatever. It might be this is certainly an area that uh, affects farmers and ranchers' pocketbooks, and and so we're really happy to be able to make this kind of offering. Well, congratulations. Uh, uh, I think it's just great to see uh, see you step in and do this. Hey, real quick, how's harvest going across Nebraska? Well, a good start in harvest. Uh, a large amount of silage, I think, has been, uh, been harvested already and probably nearing the end of that. Uh, soybean harvest well underway, I think, in most parts of the state. And a small amount of corn harvest, maybe a little bit more in the eastern part of the state than the western part of the state. But a uh, few, uh, few uh, fields of corn uh, that I've seen harvested as I've traveled across the state as well. Looks like we're going to have a, have a good crop here as well as, uh, as a lot of the country. And so uh, dealing with those kinds of issues, but, uh, but we, we've had that. Had a good start to harvest here, and I, I guess I just would encourage everybody to work safely as as uh, the busy work of harvest uh, continues. Very good. Steve, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me on. Take care. Steve Nelson, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau. All right, coming up next, we're going to try to hook up with a U.S. Meat Export Federation project specialist in Columbia, South America. Stay with us. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now i'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better how do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, we're going to take a look at the market of Columbia, South America. What kind of market is that for our meat products, especially with the free trade agreement we have with them? Don Mason is a U.S. Meat Export Federation project specialist in Columbia, and he joins us now from, are you in Bogota, Don? I am in Bogota. Yeah, well, hey, good connection. Thank you for joining us. You know, several years ago when the the deal was being negotiated, uh, I went to uh, Colombia and uh, had a chance to talk with a lot of folks there and and saw that it, it, it really looked to have good potential for a market for U.S. products. Uh, how has it developed for, for meat uh, since the uh, trade deal went into effect? Well, certainly it's a, it's a booming market, uh, a very a, a great opportunity here in Colombia. Uh, Colombians, by uh, just by nature, are 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 definitely meat eaters, and uh, they raise a lot of cattle. So they you know they have a lot of uh, domestic beef supply. Uh, we still have very uh, you know a fair amount of opportunities there on the beef side with uh, restaurants and and high end high quality U.S. beef. Uh, they know the value of that. Uh, the challenges are sometimes just in the exchange rate and and uh, and getting it in here and and finding you know finding that niche market. Uh, uh, but on the port side, especially huge demand. Uh, the demand for pork products is growing way faster than the domestic uh, pork industry here can keep up with, and so that provides us with a heck of an opportunity. Yeah, sounds like it. I was impressed when I was there several years ago uh, at how much progress they had made, uh, how much development was going on in the country. Is that still happening? Yes, I'm uh, looking out my uh, apartment window here. This is the office, by the way, of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. It's an efficiency apartment about, oh, I don't know, 300 square feet or something like that. So, uh, but I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing, uh, you know, the construction going on here. I was in Barranquilla up on the north coast yesterday and uh, lots of construction going on up in there and so on the the economy here uh, people here will complain about the economy but actually it's uh, it's fairly solid as uh, as latin american economies go and they're doing pretty well so that what that means is you've got a uh, that growing middle class which is so important for meat sales around the world and it, it's growing here and, and they're looking for more protein we're talking with don mason u.s meat export federation project specialist 
He's in Bogota in Colombia, South America. Uh, Don, just how has the U.S. Uh, free trade agreement with Colombia, how has that helped? What difference is that making in moving more U.S. products into that country? Well, it certainly made, uh, uh, on the tariff side, it, it uh, certainly gave us some advantages we didn't have before. And uh, obviously, uh, people buying meat are uh, all over the world are, are very price conscious. And when you when you add tariffs to the uh, to the to the product costs, then you you're, you start running into obstacles. And so those have been diminished or or removed. Uh, there's also some non-price issues uh, in terms of the uh, the smooth flow of uh, product into uh, Colombia. Not all resolved yet. Uh, uh, US uh, MEF has of course, is working on uh, helping uh, smooth the way. Some of the regulatory hurdles and so on still exist, but a lot of them got removed with the free trade agreement, and that, that, that's only great for exporters and, and importers here to get the product into the country. Other than the domestic production, uh, who are our biggest competitors in that market? Well, we certainly have uh, competition on the port side from uh, Canada, from Chile, a little bit from uh, from the European Union, uh, Denmark in particular. Uh, on the beef side, we're competing against uh, Argentine beef, uh, Uruguayan beef. Uh, probably those would be the two principal uh, uh, competitors on the beef side. Are you optimistic we'll continue to see uh, growth in market share in Colombia? Well, I'm 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 very optimistic. I'm looking at the year-to-date sales uh, and exports into Colombia right now. We are up. Uh, uh, year-to-date sales are are 16,709 metric tons compared to last year, which was 7,938 uh, 7, metric tons. So we're up 110% uh, year-to-year right now uh, in this, uh, and that's pork. I'm talking pork here on the pork side. We're talking a 110% increase, uh, doubled. Uh, Essentially, more than doubled our sales to uh, uh, Colombia, and exports exports uh, actually accumulated exports are up forty four percent. So almost half again as much uh, product has come into the country already this year than did last year at this time. And I I look for that to continue. The charts I'm looking at uh, show that continuing, um, you know, well into the future. And tell us about your work there in, in market development. What do you do uh, with the Meat Export Federation to help uh, uh, grow that market? U.S. Meat Export Federation has uh, several several emphasis uh, active or uh, things that they do to, to help uh, increase the, the market for 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 U.S. beef and pork. Uh, we do activities. We do point of sale sorts of things where we do a promotions. We or, help work, uh, companies large. I was uh, I met with uh, one of the largest uh, grocery chains in Colombia uh, two days ago in Barranquilla, and uh, uh, working to line up some uh, uh, in-store demonstrations, in-store tastings, if you will, of U.S. product uh, to help that. We do, uh, we do things that people wouldn't normally think of. Also, we just did a, a beef liver uh, workshop up in Barranquilla. Uh, where we worked with a, a, a fair a group of fair a medium size uh, uh, outlets for U.S. or for for meat products, and uh, gave them some new ideas about recipes and so on that they could use to increase the sales of uh, of beef liver, and uh, which, as you know, is you know 
that's something that uh, you know we we need to sometimes burdens our market in the United States, and so the more of that we can move into uh, uh, into Colombia, the better off we'll be. We do workshops uh, where we work with chefs. Uh, we work with restaurant owners and that sort of thing on the beef side oh, and pork side to uh, mm-hmm. to increase uh, you know their use and their knowledge of the product. Uh, we actually have uh, uh, taken groups of, of folks uh, into the United States to do like a pork 101, right. uh, beef 101 course, where uh, so that they get a great understanding of the. Of of how it is we raise beef and pork in the United States and how careful we are about raising it, the right. quality we have. Yep. Hey, Don, we're out of time, but thank you very much for that great report from Bogota, Colombia, South America. Thank you so much. Don Mason with the Meat Export Federation. Have a safe weekend, everyone.